Well, you may notice that uh, you were given an accessory as you came in. It's called a name tag, and hopefully you're wearing one. If you are just a rebel or you missed the table, uh, you can determine where that was, uh, where you are on that spectrum, but uh, hopefully you have a name tag on. There's a reason we're talking about one another over these next three, year, uh, three years, three weeks. We've been doing it for eight years, why stop now, right? Uh, but uh, over the next three weeks, a series called One Another, we're gonna look at the one another sayings in scripture. There are over two dozen one another sayings. We're only gonna look at, at three particular ones, but uh, sayings like be devoted to one another, encourage one another, serve one another. And the one today we're gonna look at is love one another. But I thought we'd start, and we're gonna do this for the next two weeks. And uh, we as pastors and staff here have decided that maybe a couple of times a year we're going to uh, do Name Tag Sunday just so you have a great excuse to uh, read learn someone's name. You know that person that you met three weeks ago and you forgot their name three minutes after you met them? Well, now is the time to redeem yourself and make a beeline for them. And, uh, and uh, So we're going to do a little exercise. And before we get to the exercise, <clears throat> I want to share with you a little bit of what I, I share with uh, uh, couples when they come to me and they're doing, we're doing pre-marriage counseling together and we, we talk about levels of intimacy. Uh, us guys are wonderful at intimacy, right? No. Uh, so anyways, uh, and it works both, both ways for men and women. Um, and we get talking about in, uh, intimacy, levels of intimacy, how there's deeper intimacy. And um, I talk first and foremost about how the first level, that surface level of intimacy is facts and figures. Uh, facts and figures, i.e. my name is uh, Darren and I live in Decatur. That's just facts. That's just the facts. You can't uh, agree, disagree. You know, you just, it is what it is. That's facts. Facts and figures. Uh, it is sunny today. Whatever you, statement you make, it's, it, it's facts and figures. The, the next level down is thoughts and feelings, Thoughts and feelings. So a conversation might go something like this. My name is Darren and I like hockey. Well, that opens me up in a conversation with you for you to say in response, well, I hate hockey, right? Or you might agree and you might say, I like it. But you notice how going that next level of intimacy opens you up to some either some unifying factors or some, some factors that, that move you further apart. So, but it's all a part of moving deeper into levels of intimacy. So we're gonna do those first two, and, and I won't bore you with the rest of, of that lesson. We can maybe talk about that another time, but today we're gonna do a little exercise. It's gonna be in those first two uh, levels of, of intimacy. So you need two pieces of information here. The first one uh, that you need, the first piece of information is your name, okay? And if you forgot that, just look down at your name tag, okay? It serves not only a purpose for the person uh, that you're gonna meet, but it, if you have forgotten your name, just look down. That's the first piece of information you need. The second piece of information you're gonna need for this exercise is your favorite food. And if you don't have a favorite food, just make one up. <laughs> 
okay? Your favorite food. Now, we're not going to uh, just let you off easy there. We are going to go just a little bit further. And so if your favorite food is meatloaf, your answer is not just going to, you're not just going to say, I like meatloaf. You're going to put a qualifier in there, a descriptor, or an adjective of some sort about that food. So if it's meatloaf, I like my mom's meatloaf, or I like the meatloaf at such and such a restaurant, or if it's ice cream, I like, don't just say I like ice cream, say I like chocolate ice cream. So put one descriptor in there, and I want you to think about that right now, because I don't want you to meet someone and then go, um, I don't know, I don't have a favorite food. So like I said, if you don't have one, just make one up. Um, you know, use French fries at, uh, you know, In-N-Out Burger. Uh, but they have to be crispy, salted. Remember, you're going to have adjectives. So you got those two pieces, your name and one food, that you, your favorite food, okay? Now, here's the deal. You're going to meet three people. Three people. And so this is like speed dating, okay? You're not going to be able to sit there and hang out for hours, you know, renewing friendships and talking about, uh, you, know, uh, you know, college and all that stuff, you know, and you don't have time for that. So it's just quick, you're going to meet, you're going to move on to the next one. I'll even call it. I'll say, you got to hurry up if you're kind of mingling too long. So let's all stand up, okay? We're going to stand up. And for some of you, this is awkward. For others of you, this is like you've been waiting a lifetime for a Sunday like this, okay? So on three, you're going to move, keep moving three, and then you're free to sit down, okay? One, two, three, go. Three people, go. Three people. Your name, go. Don't jam out. Don't jam out. Meet three people. My name is Darren. Keep moving, don't stall out. Don't stall out, keep going. Meet someone. All right, if you're not on number two, get going. You're, you're slowing down. You should be on number three. And as soon as you got to three, then go ahead and sit down. <laughs> All right. So that wasn't very, that wasn't so bad, was it? All right, I'm going to have to put an end to this. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? Just for fun, just for fun, how many, uh, how many that was like the sweetest thing, you were in your, your groove, like you've been waiting forever to do that, okay, yeah. 
Uh-huh, the people who are still standing up right now, right? Yeah. Okay, we're gonna do that from time to time, and I think it's just a, a great uh, exercise. One another, this is what it's all about, community. So I invite you to turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, that's where we're gonna land today. You know, Jesus spent three years with his disciples, and during that time he traveled through Israel. Um, there's a picture up on the, on the screen, the Sea of Galilee. And this is one area where he walked with his disciples. Um, I've been wanting to go to the promised land uh, for a long time. And many of you have made the trip. Um, it, it looks beautiful. I think just more than the scenery and, and the setting, it's, it's, it's just taking in where Jesus walked, where, where he taught. This might have been a place where, where Jesus spent time and, and in this area around there for sure. But I, I think of him walking through these, these villages and these towns and people coming out being healed, people learning from him. But I think about his disciples, um, walking with him, interacting with him, and being taught. Another place that uh, Jesus frequented and would have uh, seen a lot of would be uh, the Jordan River. Um, this is a picture of, uh, in a part of the Jordan River. And once again, many of you may have uh, been there. I'd, I'd love to go there, but I, I envision this would be a, maybe a bank that Jesus would walk along teaching his disciples, spending time with them, sharing with them the important things of life and, and the kingdom of God. But there's a place, uh, probably more than any of these other places, that uh, was special to Jesus, and that was Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus made several, several trips into Jerusalem. On the last trip, uh, this is where we land in John 13. He huddles up his disciples, huddles them up, and, and he says, hey, I have something to, I need to tell you. And it's almost like a grandparent or, or, or maybe a mentor of yours uh, leaning in, you know, the late stages of their life saying, hey, I have, I have a secret. I have, I have something really important I need to tell you. Um, for Star Wars fans, this is Yoda and Luke Skywalker. I'm not even going to try to pull off the, the, the voice of Yoda, but it's that setting where he's, he's saying, hey, I have something I need to tell you. It's really, really important, and you're going to benefit greatly from this. And this is what Jesus says to them. And so, so they press in. They press in close and, and guarantee that, you know, they, they got their iPhones out and they, you know, they're, they're Snapchatting and, and, and they're, they're texting their buddies and going, hey, I'm, we're with Jesus right now and he's, he's going to, you know, drop some really cool wisdom uh, on us. Uh, maybe they're even Facebook living, you know, you know, live video around Israel. And Jesus leans in, they lean in. What's going to happen? What's going on? In verse 34, he, he says, a new command I give you. Like, oh, this is going to be, they're like elbowing each other. They're texting. They're, you know, they got the video going. They're taking pictures, selfies with Jesus. You know, a new command. Yeah, they got 10 commandments in the Old Testament. This is another, this is 11. 
They got more than 600 laws in the, in the, in the Torah, and this is another one. Jesus is gonna drop one more nugget right here. So they're pressing in, and they're listening. This is a new command I give you. In Greek, new means fresh or unusual, unexpected. So here there, a new command I give you. And he leans in, and he leans in, and he leans in. And what does he say? Let's say it together. Love one another. Love one another. And so they're sitting there, and Matthew looks at Peter, and Peter looks at John, and they go, huh, that's not new. That's not new. And they stand up, stop Snapchatting, stop, and they're like, what's up with that? Love one another. That's not new. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? We've, we've heard that, we've heard that, and Jesus goes, yeah, yeah. But you know what, it's new. Um, you have these kids that, that just don't get it sometimes. It takes a while for the light to go on. Um, don't nudge a kid sitting next to you. Um, but because um, I f- feel like God feels that way with us sometimes. And definitely Jesus felt that way with the disciples. You know, been saying this for years, guys, and you just haven't got it? Well, in the same way, he comes out and he says, a new command I give to you, love one another. And they're sitting there going, that's not new. And he's saying, yes, it is new because what I'm talking about is different than what you are experiencing and definitely is different than what you're living out because I'm talking about not just putting up with your brother or your sister. Uh, Not just not talking badly about them behind their back. I'm talking about something that's way different than what you're experiencing right now. Love one another. And this is what he was saying to them. A genuine heartfelt, no reserves, love for others. In this moment, in this moment, Jesus declared that all human beings have value created in his image. Each and every single person has value, not just the ones they wanted to hang out with, not just the ones that they thought were cool, not just the ones who had the pedigree or the background or the the upbringing or the, the money in their wallet. Every single human being. And he went on to, told him that this is what it looks like. A new command I give you, love one another. And then he doesn't stop there. There's no period right there. He goes on and he says, as I loved you. Remember? A new command. They're in, they're in, they're in. As I have loved you, uh, 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 love one another. And they're kind of, huh? And then he drops the bomb. He says, as I love you. Whoa. Because guaranteed, Matthew's sitting there and going, okay, I remember the day I met Jesus. I was sitting there at a table. I was, I was swindling people out of money. I was writing tax bills that, that were just fictitious. And I was, I was pocketing majority of it for myself and Jesus came to my table looked me in the eye and I saw how much he loved me and he said come with me 
Guaranteed, you have Peter sitting in that same circle. Jesus just dropped this bomb. And he's remembering that time, that time on the lake when Jesus said, yeah, yeah, you can come out and walk on the water. And Peter started walking on the water and then sooner than later, he starts sinking. Why? Because he's looking at himself and he's feeling pretty good about himself and he starts taking his eyes off Jesus and, and he remembers that Jesus reached out and wasn't condemning him, wasn't saying, you failure. You're the one who wanted to walk on the water. Come on, loser. No, he didn't say that. Reached out and he loved him. And Peter remembers the look in his eyes. Then you have James and John, and they're, and they're kind of sitting there. They're, they're quiet because they remember that time that, that they started feeling pretty good about themselves, and they even looped their mother in on this scheme to get Jesus to give them the, this, these places of, of prominence in his kingdom. Remember that? Hey, Jesus, would my boys be able to sit at your left hand and your right hand when you come into your kingdom? And, and instead of condemning them and kicking them out of the, the group because they were selfish and they weren't getting it and they, they were vain and prideful and, and they were only looking out for themselves and instead of Jesus condemning them, he loved them. As I Loved you. It's different. Jesus goes on to say, you know what? I know, I know right now it's a little bit foggy and, and it's a mystery to you. But it's going to become clear very soon. Right now you, you, you're, you're unable to see the big picture of things, but, but I promise you... Really, really soon, you're, you're going to get what I mean. So they kind of pocket that. And then an event takes place just a little while later. You ever have one of those events where things change? You see things in a, in a new light, you, you get some more information and the, the light goes on and you have one of those aha moments, it's like, whoa, whoa. I didn't know that before. And things change for you. Thursday morning at our men's group, we were talking about, you know, us, us guys, as younger men, just getting in trouble and, and how that was awful. But in some ways it was good because the light went on and we, we realized our, our need to surrender our lives to Christ and we're, we're at where we're at and we're growing in our faith because that, there was that, that moment where the light went on. We got talking in, at our pastor's planning day on Tuesday about those steps that we take in our faith. You know, we have that, that faith walk where we, we start here and we're, we're growing in our faith, we're growing in our faith, and I'm sure most of us can, can chart that, that spiritual growth in our life, but, but if we were honest and we looked back at that spiritual growth chart, there, were, there are times in our life where there's a step, where we, we go from just growing and then there's just this aha moment and we realize who God is and why he's put us here and, and, and we embrace him and his love just to a higher degree because we've got some nugget of information or something has taken place, something has happened in our life and we grow in our faith. Well, this is the same thing that happened to the disciples. 
a shift began. And as the the growth continued on, Jesus said it was still going to be foggy. It was still going to be foggy. He wouldn't know and be able to see it in his entirety. But he promised that one day it would. It would become clear. And then what happened? They're in the garden one day. Jesus is arrested. He's taken with the centurions. He's taken and put on trial. He's beaten. He's whipped. He's flogged. He's spat on. He's mocked and ridiculed. He's carted out down through town with a fake robe on and a fake crown on his head and people are mocking him and bowing down as if they were worshiping him. They take him out to a place just outside of town and they crucify him. And in that moment, in that moment when Jesus is hanging on the cross, the light goes on for the disciples. They remember back to Jesus huddling them up, huddling them together and going, a new command I give you. Love one another. Peter, don't just put up with Matthew. Matthew, don't just put up with with John. John, quit talking behind your back about Thomas. I know he's going to have a hard time with the resurrection and all that, and he's always asking questions, and, and it's going to bug you to all, all get out. But love, love as I love you. And you don't understand it right now, but one day you will understand it. And there as he's hanging on the cross, the light goes on for his disciples. Wow. See, church, we're called to love as Christ loved us. And we don't just have three years of relationship with, with Jesus and, and remembering some of those things. And, and no matter how old you are, guaranteed you can go back to some times and some moments where they're less than stellar. Maybe some moments and some times in your life that to this day you feel pretty embarrassed and pretty condemned about. The first thing you need to know today is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. See, Christ doesn't sit here pointing the finger and going, you dirty, rotten loser. He sits here today saying, I love you. I love you. And the proof is me going to the cross on your behalf. I took your shame. I took the penalty that you deserved. I took it on me. Why? Because I love you so much. And our responsibility is to extend the same love to those around us. To each and every person who you shook hands with just a moment ago, to each and every person you glanced maybe across the other side of the, the, the sanctuary and you, you read their name tag, maybe somebody who just, you didn't even say hi, you just walked by today. Each and every person love as I love you. Christ went to the cross, innocent, willingly, paid the price for our sins that we would be set free. The fog lifted. 
And the disciples realized what that meant. At that point, at that moment, something big happened. A contagious, earth-shattering, life-changing community was birthed. There was something there. There was an affinity with those who knew firsthand what had gone on, who had experienced, who had received, who had been on the receiving end of the grace of God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, and a community formed. It wasn't just any community. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, we have a, an account of this group. And this group wasn't a group like any other group. This group, in fact, was a group that should never have existed. You see, back in those days, as is many times the case even today, groups that are different don't become groups. In fact, groups that are different, they tend to repel away from each other like oil and water. And what you end up with in Jesus' day is you end up with in, in our day today, a lot of times is homogenous groups, groups that look alike, think alike, talk alike. Everything is the same. You see, back in Jesus' day, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. Why? Because they were different. They were half-breeds. They were dogs. They, were, they, they didn't belong, and so they were kind of nudged away from Jerusalem. They were nudged away from, from where God's people were. Not to mention foreigners. Not to mention the pagans. Not to mention... There was a separation and yet here in, in Acts 2, you have this group that's together that is, is different. It says you have people that are from different nations, not just different parts of town. Different languages, colors, creed, backgrounds, upbringings, places of birth, money in their pocket, education, a melting pot of people from all over. And I want us to read what was happening there in that group. Take a look at verse 42 of Acts 2. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. We shared the Lord's Supper just a few moments ago. It says, A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. They were, they were in awe. They were looking around the, the group going, this should not be happening. That guy should be just completely repulsed by everyone else here. And that guy should be leaving out the back door. That person should want to leave. That person, and I don't want to be here. You know, that's the way it, it should have been, but it wasn't. Look at verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place. It's not like some met over here, some met over here, some, some you know. They didn't even kind of go back into the different corners of the room. No, they were together. And shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together. Come on. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And get this, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. There was this deep sense of awe of what God was doing in their midst. Heard one, one uh, seminary professor say this. He says, could you imagine what happened in here happened in here. Could you imagine what? If what happened in here would happen in here. I believe that this is what Crossroads is all about. So how do we love one another? I believe this is for us. How do we express love Love with actions that impact a community and change the world. You see, this was something that took place as the New Testament church was formed that had a profound impact, not just in that city, but around the world. It's something that has had an effect on us even today. I believe there's some practical examples of what we can do and how we can do that. I believe we need to go back to the cross, though. Put it in perspective. As Christ loved us, so we're called to do the same. It's what we share. We have that in common. You know, the enemy would want to come in and remind you of every single little thing that is different between you and the person sitting next to you or the person three rows behind you or, or every single little nuance that is different between you and me. Had a gentleman sitting in my office this, this week and we were talking about just some, some nuances and things in the Bible. It was a great conversation. But I tell you, at the end, if we were to tally everything up, we probably disagreed on more than we agreed. But you know what? He's my brother in Christ. Deep affection for each other. Deep respect for one another. But the enemy would want both of us to leave a conversation like that going, see, you guys can't be in the same room at the same time together. But God was doing something completely different and he continues to do that. In that, we also worship. So we find commonality, but we also worship together. What's the posture of worship? Our focus is on the Lord as we are side by side and shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm with our brothers and sisters in Christ, enjoying our time together. I love that. I love coming in here on Sunday mornings. I love just the, the, the feel and the vibe of this place on Wednesday nights. When Embrace Grace is running on, on Mondays and Celebrate Recovery on Tuesdays and their, their meetings and, and worship practices going on here Thursdays and there's just always this joy of coming together and getting to know each other more and more and spending time together. I believe that this is the vehicle through which God wants to show his love and share his love with the rest of the world. You know, there was an event that took place in 1906 in Los Angeles. It wasn't just an event, it was a movement. In fact, it was a revival. In 1906 on Azusa Street, there was a revival that started and it wasn't sponsored by anyone or any church or any organization. It didn't go out on the media blitz. There was no ad campaign or anything like that. It started with a bunch of people from, from a bunch of different backgrounds and, and 
places of birth and socioeconomic uh, wealth or poverty coming together and seeking the Lord. And some amazing things like Acts 2 began to happen. The Holy Spirit began to knit these people together. It wasn't in the, the high rent district. In fact, it was in a, almost like a cardboard shack on the wrong side of the, of the tracks, but, but God was in their midst. The power of the Holy Spirit began to stir in them, and people from outside began looking and going, you know what, the, these people shouldn't be hanging out together. This doesn't make sense, but look at what's happening. They don't hate each other. They're not pointing fingers at each other. They're not creating lists of all of their differences. In fact, they're amplifying what they have in common. And there's a great amount of love and affection that they experience between one another. And a city began to take notice. And a country began to take notice. Lives began to be changed. And this revival didn't just stay in a little cardboard shack on the wrong side of the tracks in Los Angeles in 1906. In fact, the revival itself went on for nine years. Our faith expression can be taken directly back to that revival in 1906. A movement that didn't just stay in the United States, it didn't just stay in North America, it's worldwide. And you have church after church, group after group, assembly after assembly that comes from myriad of backgrounds. from many tribes, from every nation. And a movement began that changed the world. And I believe you fast forward here in Decatur, 2001, a similar thing happened. If you've heard anything of Crossroads origins, it really started with a group of people who didn't look alike. They didn't think alike. You had professionals and you had ex-cons. You had people who were struggling with addictions and people struggling with pride and everything in between. And a bunch of people who didn't look alike, they didn't come from the same place, they didn't have the same amounts in their bank accounts, they got into a room one day and they started worshiping the Lord. And they found more in common than they did what divided them. And they continued to minister to one another and they continued to worship and they continued to enjoy each other's company. And 2003, that group became a church called Crossroads. And I believe that every day and every week since then, since 2003, Crossroads has lived that out. So I would say everyone matters. Because it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter, as, as uh, one of our elders, Todd Park, says, it doesn't matter who your mama is. Just look around. You got a Canadian pastor for Pete's sake. Come on, how bad can it get? <laughs> right? 
<laughs> we, don't have, we don't even have our nationality in common. And I speak Canadian. But the Holy Spirit is here, right? We enjoy each other's company. And you know, the enemy will want to come in and go, you know what? You can't like that guy because A, B, C, and D. You can't like that person across there because of this. You can't like that person. No, you need to, you need to just shy away from them. How about these ones? You can't like that person. You can't love that person because what they did to you two years ago or what they said about you, how they failed you, how you relied on them and how they let you down, how they didn't call you when they needed you to call, when you needed a call from them, how you needed them to say hi and instead of that, they, they somehow glanced and walked away. No, you need to, you need to walk away. You need to, you need to stick it to them. You need to look out for yourself. You need to look out for number one because if you don't do it, no one is. See, that's what the enemy would want you to believe. But you know, Jesus is sitting here today and he's, he's pulling us in and I believe the Holy Spirit is applying this to each of our lives. Jesus is huddling us up and he says, hear me, a new command I give you. It's fresh. It's unusual. It's unexpected. But, but hear me, love one another as I have loved you. Period. Can we do that? I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. See, I believe that revival that took place in 1906 in Los Angeles. I believe the Lord stirred in hearts here in Decatur in 2001. And I believe he's stirring again in 2018. That this body of believers, this melting pot of messed up people is going to love and we're 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 going to love without restraint, so much so that this community is going to take notice. They're going to look and they're going to go, yeah, what? That doesn't make sense. Do you know so-and-so? Do you know Bruce? He's hanging out with, with Bob. Do you know? And they hate each other. At least they used to. Do you know Brenda? She's, she's hanging out with Barb and, and they hate each other, at least they used to. There's something going on there. And there's no explanation for it other than God is doing something. They met together. They broke bread together. They worshiped together. When somebody had need, they, they blessed them. When someone was hurting, they mourned together. When somebody was celebrating, they threw a party. They didn't care that the party wasn't for them. Because in fact, it was because they were so together.
First of all, I just want you to think of some of those areas that God wants to work on your heart. Maybe you've been holding some animosity and some hatred, some jealousy, some resentment. Maybe there's a hurt from, from way back. Maybe there's a hurt from this week. I want you to surrender that. Just say, God, I'm going to love, not because that person deserves it, but because it's a condition of my heart. It's a gift that I give. Just because in the same way, you didn't assess the condition of my heart before you went to the cross. You gave yourself because of the condition of your heart. So Lord, help me to love. Help me to forgive. And may I be a part of this wonderful movement that you are creating here in Decatur, Texas, 2018. Just a love movement. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But you've set us free through the power of Jesus Christ on the cross. Motivated, capable, equipped to share your love with others. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm inviting you to stand. I got one verse I want to share with you. If our altar team can come to the front. So John 13, 35, Jesus has just told his disciples this. And then take a look at this. This was evident in, in the Acts Church, right? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So before you go out and start putting bumper stickers on your car and sitting down in IHOP and talking to the person next to you, first and foremost, your first responsibility is to love your brother and sister. Extend the love of Jesus Christ to those around you just as he's extended his love to you. I'm inviting you to come for, for ministry. I know there are many people here with uh, some physical needs and we'd love to pray with you for physical healing. We'll, we'll dismiss in just a moment. But maybe the Lord's speaking to you about something uh, that we've talked about this morning. I invite you to come with those who come for prayer. Just believing that God wants to do an amazing thing right here in this assembly, right here in this group that, that doesn't necessarily look like we belong together. But you know what? When you get right to the heart of the matter, we do. Because we have so much in common, and that is Jesus. So we're going to sing, we're going to worship a bit, and then we'll dismiss. Come as we sing, if we can provide some ministry, okay?